Hello and welcome to Plot Dress. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about The Mad Girls of New York by Maya Rodell. This was just published in 2022 and is the first book in the Nellie Bly series. And full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy from NetGalley and Berkeley, so thank you. And this is not a romance novel. So this is part of our romance adjacent series, which I, Lane, object to. <laughs> yes. That said, I will point out that Maya Rodell is a historical romance author. Yes. So but, a little bit sneaky. But if we talk about like Sherry Thomas being a historical romance author who then writes the Lady Sherlock's, which have a clear romantic subplot with Charlotte yeah. and Ingram, um, th- this book has what I would call an implication of flirtation. Yes. There is no on-page romance really at all. Like she doesn't, she goes out to dinner with a guy. <laughs> she yeah. goes on a date with a dude. <laughs> Correct. <That's> it. <laughs> it's going to so be just, a slow burn. So just preparing our listeners. All there's right. going to be absolutely no romantic trope discussion in this No, because there are none. All right. Here's the book jacket. In 1887, New York City, Nellie Bly has ambitions beyond writing for the ladies' pages, but all the editors on Newspaper Row think women are too emotional, respectable, and delicate to do the job. But then the New York world challenges her to an assignment she'd be mad to accept and mad to refuse, go undercover as a patient at Blackwell's Island Insane Asylum for Women. For months, rumors have been swirling about deplorable conditions at Blackwell's, but no reporter can get in. That is, until Nellie feigns insanity, gets committed, and attempts to survive ten days in the madhouse. Inside, she discovers horrors beyond comprehension. It's an investigation that could make her career, if she can get out to tell it before two rival reporters scoop her story. From USA Today bestselling author Maya Rodell comes a rollicking historical adventure series about the outrageous intrigues and bold flirtations of the most famous female reporter and a groundbreaking rebel of New York City's Gilded Age. I included that because it included bold flirtations. Yeah, that's the one thing I was going to object to as misrepresenting. (laughs) Misrepresentative. It is a rollicking historical adventure series. Well, I don't know about the series part yet, but it is historical adventure. Yeah. So I, we're qualifying this. We're calling this a romance adjacent read, but Lane is right. Usually when we talk about a romance adjacent read, it's a book in a different genre that has a very strong uh, romance element to it. So some examples um, that we've talked about are uh, the Amelia Peabody series or the Four Kosigan saga, um, right? Sherry Thomas, Lady Sherlock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I feel like we're including this one not because of the romantic element, but partially because. I think it's really interesting that a historical romance author is branching out into a non-romance. It's a historical fiction using the same pen name. Yes. 
So I, I just think that's really an interesting choice. I, obviously, Sherry Thomas does it. She has done it with, I mean, she wrote a young adult fantasy, she wrote a young adult historical fiction using her same pen name. But a lot of authors just will not do that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting um, why authors choose to change their pen name. It's often genre-based. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Amanda Quick does it. Amelia uh, Elizabeth Peters did it. Mm-hmm. Um, even less palatably, J.K. Rowling did it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other authors just choose to write under the same name no matter what they feel like writing. And I think it can be useful if you only like the author's style of writing in one genre or you're only interested in like it can be a little bit difficult to say oh I like your historical romance and then you pick up this historical fiction that is very historical and be like oh this wasn't what I was expecting maybe you're disappointed but I do think it's cool that she's got it all under one name yeah so I I think it's an interesting choice as well I think a lot of people do it because the prestige there's a there's a perceived idea of prestige right if you're writing a romance versus writing a different in a different genre well especially for women there's a historical precedent too of mm-hmm. get taken more seriously with a more serious name back in the day it meant a man's name yes um but anyway that that was another part of the reason i mean i i, I like maya riddell and i I also am very interested in Nellie Bly. So this is something that I would have picked up regardless of whether we got a complimentary copy. And that was part of the reason I wanted to highlight it. Yeah, I will say um, this book has made me interested in reading Maya Rodell's romance. Mm -hmm. Well, we'll have to pick that up. She is a very good writer. Um, I think my one criticism of the literary merit of this one is it did go on a little bit. Mm. I think uh, there were a couple of redundant scenes that served the same purpose. I think it could have been a little more concise and had the same punch. But when that's the worst thing I have to say about the writing on any level, it's obviously very good. Yeah. Uh, So as usual for our romance adjacent reads, we don't have a random number summary for you. So sorry, guys. (laughs) So this is historical fiction that is quote unquote based on a true story. (laughs) I always find this genre really interesting. And I think Mm -hmm. I've read a lot of books that sort of can wear this mantle. Mm -hmm. So like, I know we've mentioned it six times in this episode already, but like the Amelia Peabody series places fictional characters in real settings and gives a lot of the discoveries of William Flinders Petrie, who was a real archeologist to the Emerson clan while keeping Petrie a character. So that's Mm -hmm. sort of the most fictional version. Right. Of this based on a true story. And then recently I've been um, rereading the Wolf Hall series by Hilary Mantel, which takes a figure who has a little bit less documentation about him. But on the whole, the books stay completely true to the facts that are known. Right. But fictionalize the motives the people's perspectives and fill in the gaps in history. And I feel like this is sort of in the middle. Yeah, I would liken this to, um, oh goodness, why can't I remember her name? She was the other Boleyn girl, Philippa Gregory, of course. Um, I feel like that's the genre she just writes in almost all the time. And I mean, some of her books are better than others. The other Boleyn girl is great. It's a really good book if you're interested in it. But yeah, I think this is more similar to that where 
there is a historical character and they do certain things um, that are historical and we have a historical record of it, but then there are added on plot elements, um, relationships and things like that, that, that are definitely not part of the historical record. And what I find really interesting about this book in particular is obviously Nellie Bly's article from her time in Blackwell exists, still exists yeah. to this day. Like you could read those exact words today and some of them are in the books. But so to a degree, I feel like this was a really interesting exercise in writing and you have to work within this known published piece. And then you try to build the story of the woman who did the writing out from that based on the biography we have of her. Yes. And I will say that after I finished this book, I, because it is in the public domain, I downloaded 10 Days in a Madhouse and read it. Um, and it's, I will say it's a different style of writing than we're used to. And I preferred the, the novel. But it, if you're interested to find out what inspired this one, where it came from, it's in the public domain. You can download it for free. So yeah. Project, Project Gutenberg it up. <laughs> All right. I, I do feel like if you've read, especially historical fiction, uh, or excuse me, especially historical romance, but really any historical fiction that's set in Gilded Age New York, you will have heard of Nellie Bly. Like she is part of the conversation. Either she appears on the page or people are talking about her. So I was interested because I had already heard about her obliquely through other fiction that I'd read. Um. Even in the British set romance novels that Meg and I more traditionally read, so many of the characters are female reporters. Mm -hmm. And even some of them are anachronistically aware of American lady journalists and that sort of thing. So I do feel like her name comes up a lot. Yeah. But if you have not, and you are not familiar with Nellie Bly, she's basically like the mother of investigative journalism. And she did burst onto the scene in the 1880s when she published this expose. So she got herself committed to an insane asylum and then stayed there for 10 days. Uh, and then when she got out, she wrote two front page um, Sunday morning articles on it. So really incredible for what she did and then how publicized it got. Right. And it's one of those, you've probably heard of it. I feel like 10 Days in a Madhouse is right up there with Upton Sinclair's The Jungle mm -hmm. in terms of the pieces of investigative journalism that changed social perception of an industry. Yes, absolutely. And then and saw reforms at least a little bit afterwards. Definitely. Yeah. So the book follows it follows like the full 10 days that she's in the um insane asylum and it fleshes out things that she only touches on in the article itself and she ex it's explained in the book because they're like oh you have to cut some of it because people aren't that interested yes and there's a parallel story being written about essentially corruption in high society New York mm -hmm. um, and a missing wife that ties directly into 
Nellie's investigation at Blackwell as a circumstantial yes. outcome. And that did make me a little eye rolly. I mean, sure, but it was fun though. <laughs> and look, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. This is, I would say this novel is, is like pulpy. It's like a pulpy it, novel. Yes, I completely agree with that adjective. Yeah. And so, you know, decide whether that's what you want to read. Because if you want to read this like pulpy, really fun investigation of Nellie Bly. So not only is she like a journalist, she's also, you know, goes out with some with her friends and she wants to flirt with people, goes into her past, um, which was really interesting. Um, so like Lane said, there's a parallel story with this missing wife. There's also a little bit of a parallel story about another journalist who's investigating her past. Yeah. So that's how you find out about Nellie's past. It's not through her telling it. And I actually thought this was a really interesting choice on Maya Rodal's part. Yes. Because I think she wanted to put in some information about her past, but she didn't want to have Nellie sit down with someone and talk through it. I really liked the choice of the, the other reporter's name is Sam. Mm-hmm. I really liked the chapters from Sam's POV. Yes. Um, I thought he was a really interesting character as a man also trying to make it on the New York journalism scene at the same time. I thought it was a really interesting, like, additional perspective. In contrast, I thought the scenes with the other female reporter investigating this B-plot did not work as well for me. Mm-hmm. Not because I thought the B-plot was a little bit trite, but because it really did feel like the next book's plot shoved into this book. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. have any real bearing on what Nellie was doing other than yeah. sort of solving the mystery of who one of the women at the asylum was. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think this book could have done with a little fat trimming. And I think that was a place where I really would have targeted it and just made that the next book. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Uh, I want to point out that... So if you've read any of Maya Rodell's historical romance, you'll notice some of her style. So she does these references to contemporary pop culture that, look, yes, they could feel out of place. On the other hand, I think they're really fun. I think if you're not familiar with her style, you might be a little surprised sometimes by, you know, like, you know, for example, I think it's in this book, she says, I'm just a, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking to write a newspaper article or something like that. Yeah. And (laughs) I think if you're like, you could be like, okay, that was stupid. Or you could be like, oh, this is fun. You know, so just be aware (laughs) things like that (laughs) happen in this book. Um, And then she also does this really interesting research where she tries to bring out a lot of like forgotten history, uh, specifically feminist history, which I really enjoy. So like one of her romances is about um, some of the first lipstick, like who created it, um, who wore it, uh, its connections with feminism, which I thought was really interesting. And in this one, she makes her landlady, uh, she bases Nellie Bly's landlady on this basically like a real estate magnate in New York who happens to be a black woman. So they're just little things like that, that for me, I was like, oh yes, this is the Maya Rodal that I know, even though she's writing in a different genre. A lot of that stuff really did work for me here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the parallels between Nellie and Sam worked so well because Nellie's chasing a story, but Sam's chasing the story of Nellie and sort of talking about how stories are created and how yes. to sell them. And I think Nellie's investigative journalism, while factual at its core, you see the way it's manipulated to sell to an audience um, in the same way Nellie has to figure out how to sell herself as a girl reporter, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. And so I thought a lot of those parallels to the present in like passing cultural references and the clearly well done research about people you may not have seen in the histories that we typically read of the era, but who managed to find success regardless, sort of tied together this wider narrative of, of how the stories we come to know become the priority for the people teaching us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I agree with you. I, I think it works really well. Um, so I like it personally. So we had a debate before we started recording. Is this even romance adjacent? Because I mean, to me, the obvious setup is Sam and Nellie, right? Because but <laughs> but if you know anything about Nellie Bly, she does not end up with a man named Sam. She marries someone else entirely who never appears as a character in this book. Mm-hmm. And I feel like even in romance adjacent. To call it romance adjacent, you have to buy that those characters have a happily ever after. <laughs> and inherently, we know Nellie and Sam do not. I mean, look, historically, Nellie married very late in her life. Okay. So maybe she had a lot of youthful affairs. Does anyone ever die in romance? And are youthful affairs ever a happily ever after? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but there's, there's this set of romance between Nellie and Sam, but then there's also at the end a possibility of her with a little flirtation with the mayor of New York city. Also, she died very late. She married very late in life at the age of 34. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I mean, back then you're right. I just, as a 32 year old, I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> Okay, maybe we just take the very out. She married later in life for the 1880s. All right, now I got to know, just because I'm pedantic, when did she write the Asylum Exposé? Well, I mean, the question is, too, like, was she being honest about her age? Sure. But so she published 10 Days in a Madhouse in 1887, and she got married in 1895. So you have an eight-year period. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see who she marries. We'll see if he appears. <laughs> Sam's gonna die. <laughs> Sam's not gonna die. Sam's gonna. I don't know. I don't know what Sam is gonna do. But anyway, <laughs> I I enjoyed the book a lot. I uh, I think Nellie Bly is a fascinating historical figure, and I really enjoyed the book that fictionalized her already sensational (laughs) newspaper article. So I thought it was really fun. It's a fun, well-written book. I think if you're into this era in history and you like this sort of definitely fictional biography style. Yes. um, And you're interested in Nellie Bly, you'll really enjoy this. Yes. 
And um, I mentioned this, that, that Maya Rodell does a lot of research. In her author's note, she talks about the research that she did and who she bases different characters on, which I thought was really interesting as well. So I think it's just, just want to throw a plug out for that. I know um, Lane can't. Because author's, author's notes. That. Yeah. Definitely did not read that. Um. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet at Instagram, Goodreads, and WordPress.